Romans chapter 11, verse number 23. And the Bible says, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be graft in. For God is able to graft them in again. Romans 11 is about the nation of Israel and their future. Now we are heading toward the end of this chapter. The end is in view. And what now Paul brings into view through the Holy Spirit's inspiration is Israel's restoration. God is not done with Israel. Matter of fact, he says very clearly, watch what it says, for God is what? Able. God is able. His rejection of Israel nationally, it's not final. Even though Israel right now as a nation, they are in unbelief, and they will continue to be in unbelief. God is trying to get us to see that that is not a final state of that nation. In Romans 9, we already looked at, remember he said, whom he will hardeneth. Back in Deuteronomy, I believe we ran the passage when it talks about, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Do you understand how rebellious that nation has become against God? Absolutely completely and wholly given over to idolatry. The Messiah came, they rejected the Messiah, they put Him on the cross, they mocked Him, crucify Him, crucify Him. As if that was bad enough, three days and three nights later, He rose from the grave and everybody that believed on Jesus that were telling the Jews about it said, no, nah, we don't believe Him. God's not finished with that nation. As, as far and as deep into apostasy, apostasy that they have gone, He's not finished with that nation. He will restore that nation. That is God's providential promise. And there's nothing you or I or any other nation on earth can do to stop it. He's going to preserve that nation. Amen. Amen. None of this... You see how it's, it says, abide not still in unbelief. And they're, 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 provoked, they're being provoked to jealousy. But they're not going to, nothing is going to prevent them from believing, but the jealousy that they've been provoked to will actually prompt them to finally, as a nation, turn to Him. God is able to graft them in again. Go to 2 Corinthians 3. God is going to restore Israel and He is going to graft them in again. 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 14. 2 Corinthians 3, verse number 14. Now as we read these verses... What is the real hindrance that we face when we minister or try to evangelize lost people? What's the real hindrance? What do you think the answer is? It's unbelief. Unbelief is the real hindrance. So what's the real hindrance you think was, the, uh, was for the nation? What was the real hindrance they had? Call it out. Unbelief. 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 It's always unbelieving heart. 2 Corinthians 3. Watch what it says in verse 14. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could 
not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Look at verse 14. But their minds were what? Blinded. Their minds are completely blinded. For until this day remaineth, the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. The hindrance was unbelief, is unbelief, and tomorrow will be unbelief. That will always be the hindrance. But God is able and He is going to take away that blindness and that hindrance from that nation one day. And what is going to happen? That nation is finally going to look. They're going to look upon Him on whom they have pierced. That's coming. And that nation, those Jews, they require a what? Sign. And they're going to get one. When Christ comes back, they're finally going to look. And they're going to believe. And the whole nation will, will, be, will be saved. Go back to the book of Jeremiah, if you would. Isaiah and then the book of Jeremiah. And let's get chapter number 31. Hold your place in Romans 11, if you would. Let's get Jeremiah 31. A lot of importance in Romans 11. It's probably one of the most difficult passages, uh, chapters in the Bible. And we've been spending 9, 10, 11 drawing a distinction between the church and Israel, and I can't say that enough. We are not national physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are Gentiles. We are not the same. We're not the same nation. We don't have the same covenant. And we talked about Abraham. They have two seeds of Abraham. You have a physical lineage, and then you have a lineage by faith. So when we as Gentiles believe on Christ, we are grafted in by faith. Abraham is the father of the faithful, those that believe. When Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for what? Righteousness. When you and I believe God, it is counted unto us for righteousness. God's righteousness imputed our account. So two seeds of Abraham, this grafting in makes that distinction between Jew and Gentile. But Jeremiah chapter 31, why this is important, let's go to verse 31. Jeremiah 31, and we'll look at verse 31. Let's start reading it. I'll make a few comments. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the church. It doesn't say the church, does it? With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Judah. This is a specific look, a future look at what God is going to do with Israel. We are part of a body we are not part of a Jewish nation. We believe on Christ. We are put into Him. We are put into His body. It says, not according, verse 32, 
to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. If you look over at what's happening in Israel right now, is that happening? It's not. But there's going to be a future day when God's going to do what we just read in verse number 33 and verse 34. That's coming. What does that clearly tell us? God is able and that nation will be restored. Amen. amen and amen. Look at verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Do they all know him now? Nope, they sure don't. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now, I don't know what else someone would need to understand the absolute and complete restoration of God's chosen nation. He is not going to remember their apostasy, them going after false gods, them sacrificing their children, children in the fire to Molech. He's not going to remember any of their iniquity. Hallelujah. Individually, do you know what happens to you and I when we are placed in Christ? If you were to die right now and you know Christ, you are in Him, you're going to stand before God the Father and you know who you're going to have Jesus Christ as? Your advocate. God's not looking at your sin and my sin. Jesus Christ stands up. I'll advocate for Him. He's in me, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Nobody's getting to God on their own. You've got to be placed in Christ in order, in order to have your sins remembered no more. Amen. I'm going to guess you're probably like me. You've probably got a long tally of past sins, probably future sins, at least future in the sense of this week that you've committed. And uh, there's probably going to be some more that you're going to commit over the next 30 days. I trust that we all probably would agree with that. You know what's going to happen one day when you die? God's not going to look at your sin account. He's going to look at Jesus Christ. And if you're in Him, you have an advocate with the Father. Amen. You receive His imputed righteousness. There's no other way to heaven. There's no, no, no other way. But God's promise, watch the distinction that he makes here in verse number 35 of Jeremiah. We're in chapter 31. People say, well, God's done with Israel. And God, you know, he, he just replaced Israel with the church. No, he didn't. That's replacement theology, which is wrong theology. Watch what he says. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, 
The Lord of hosts is his name. Do you believe God created the moon, the stars, and sea, and all that? I do. We all do, right? Now watch what he says. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. You know what God says? I'll tell you what. When the sun doesn't come up, to shine during the day and the moon and the stars don't come up to shine during the night and the seas wiped away. You know what? Then I'll be done with my nation. You know what the point is? He's not done with it. He will restore it. And as sure as the sun's coming up and as sure as the moon's going to give us light during the night is as absolutely sure that God will restore that nation 100%. You can mark it down. And you and I aren't that nation. We've already been restored. We're seated in heavenly places. God doubles down as well. You want God to be done with the nation? All these people say, well, God's done with Israel. They haven't read verse 37. Thus saith the Lord, if you want to be done with Israel, here's what the Lord says you can do. You want me to be done with Israel? Okay. If heaven above can be measured, you want me to be done with Israel? Okay, get a measuring tape and go ahead and measure the heavens. And the foundations of the earth searched out beneath. And when you're done measuring the heavens, go ahead and, and, and measure out the earth beneath. Get your biggest track hoe you can. Go ahead and start. I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. So God says, okay, you want me to be done with my nation? You want me to be done with Israel? You bring me back those measurements and I'll be done. I'll cast them awake finally and completely. You know what the point is? Nobody can do that. <laughs> Nobody can do that. And just as sure as you and I can't measure the heavens, it's just as sure that God's not casting away His people finally and forever. He's going to restore that nation. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to Romans 11. Romans 11. Romans 11, verse 24, we're at. Romans 11, 24. And might as well get Ephesians 2 as well, if you would. Romans 11 and Ephesians 2. Get both those spots. All right. Trust you, trust you have your spots. Romans 11, Ephesians 2. All right, next thought, we'll start in Romans 11, verse 24. The Bible says, For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, that's the nation of Israel, be graft into their own olive tree, that's the covenant Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God made with the nation of Israel, we talked about that olive tree a few lessons prior. If you're like me, there's, I compartmentalize the Lord's power at times. I can see that he, he, man, He hangs the earth from nothing. He created the seas. We just talked about the sun and the moon and stars. That's the awesome power of God in His creation. And I tend to think of God's power in when I look out at His creation. I don't know if you do that, but I do that. 
But His power is so much more than that. And I say that because we tend, if we're not careful, we tend to think that unbelief really isn't that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. It's the biggest deal that that nation has. And so God says, I am so powerful. I am so able. And I am so faithful to my promises that I will graft them in again. His power concerning Israel's restoration lies at the end of Romans 11, and we see it starting in verse 24. Israel has a covenant with God. The wild branches of the Gentile nations don't. Now go to Ephesians 2, and then I'll tie some thoughts together off of this New Testament, or off of Ephesians 2. Look at verse 11. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, that's you and I, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. A Jew would call you, oh, you're the uncircumcised. What would we call a Jew? Well, you're the circumcised. Another clear distinction, there's Jews and there's Gentiles, we're not the same. Watch what it says in verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers, strangers, from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, but now in Christ, Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You weren't, a, you weren't a Jew. But because of Jewish apostasy, what was the blessed privilege that we received? The blood. The gospel came to us and Christ shed his blood. So the point isn't so much that God is powerful and able enough to, come, to overcome Israel's unbelief. The illustration is this. The point is this in Romans 11.24. You got wild branches and you got natural branches, right? Now if you had an estate, we were strangers from, from, from God, right? We just read that in Ephesians 2. If you had an estate and you're going to leave that estate to, your, to a stranger's son, you don't even know this stranger. That stranger isn't special to you. But you're going to leave your estate to a stranger's son. The illustration in Romans 11 and verse 24 is this. If God, Gentiles were strangers to his nation, if God is willing to bring the gospel to us and we would be able to receive Christ and be grafted in because of our belief in Christ, the question is how much more? If you're going to give an estate to a stranger's son, how much more 
would you give it to your own son? The illustration God is trying to make is, look, I'm not done with Israel. Here's why. If I'm willing to give my son for Gentile dogs, how much more will I return and restore my beloved nation? It's a how much more illustration. And right now, Israel's is dead as a dry, sapless branch laying on the ground. And you say, yeah, you know what? It's easier to draft, just to graft in a living, wild olive branch, Gentiles, rather than a lifeless, natural branch, Israel. But the point is, the point is this, but how much more? God is able. How much more? If you were to meet somebody that was Jewish, what would you do today? You would preach to them Jesus Christ the same as you would preach to a Gentile. But Romans 11, we're, not, we're talking now about this nation in general and the restoration of that nation. So let's look at verse 25. Romans 11, look at 25. The Bible says, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. Okay, God didn't promise the church physical healing. What did He promise the nation? Physical healing. God didn't promise the church physical wealth and prosperity. What did He promise the nation? Physical health and prosperity when they obeyed Him. Do you know why we have deliverance ministries and healing ministries all over the United States? Because they don't believe that they're different from Israel. Well, God's done with Israel, so you know what we'll do? We'll just steal some promises that God had for Israel and we'll take them to our own. That's why in every town in Tennessee you have popping up healing ministries, delivering ministries. What do they do? They have no idea the distinction between Israel and the church. They think they're Israel. Where do you get the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel from? People that steal promises that God has given to Israel. They say God's done with Israel, so you know what? We'll just cherry pick some promises. That's where that false prosperity gospel came from. God never, ever promised the New Testament church to, be, to, to win every single battle we get into because we live in the United States of America. You know that. The United States is not in Bible prophecy. You know who he did promise would win battles and wars? Israel, when they did what? Obeyed him. So every preacher or TV news uh, article that comes up and tries to convince you and I that we have to have physical prosperity and win all these wars if we just elect the right person, it's not right. It's not biblical. God promised all that to the nation. And we can't steal their promises, or that would make us what verse 25 says. Look at it, if you would. Lest ye be wise in your own conceits. Verse 25, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Look, individual Jews can still be saved, and they still are being saved. 
but until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That's what we're looking at. Now, the time that we're in, go to Acts 15. We are in the times of the Gentiles. Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 13. Okay, so we're all on the same page. God's going to restore Israel, but when is He going to do it? What's the timeline? Look at Acts 13. Uh, Acts 15, I am sorry. Acts 15, verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophet as it is written. Now, it's written in Amos chapter 9. We won't turn there for the sake of time. But it says this. When it says, as it is written, verse 16 is a quote from Amos 9. It says, after this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof. I will set it up. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. So when is God going to restore the nation? When he is done building his church. And right now we are in the times of the Gentiles and Christ is building his church, a body of believers. When that is done, the church will be caught up and then God will start his time clock of dealing with Israel and they will finally be restored. Now, that cross-reference in Amos 9, Amos, the prophet, the Old Testament prophet, he prophesies that never again will they be taken off of their land. They've been on the land, off the land, on the land, off the land, on the land, off the land. You know what God's going to do? All those borders you see on the map now, and you see the state of Israel, that's the state of Israel according to the United Nations. God's going to take His eraser and He's going to start erasing everything that man did, everything that government did by man, and He's going to give them their true borders that you see in the Bible. We ran those borders a few lessons back, and they're going to get that land. That's theirs. God promised it to them. But they're not getting it until, until he is done building his church. Now, Romans eleven twenty six, 26, uh, and we will need to get Zechariah. We'll have to go back to the Old Testament for this one. Romans eleven twenty six, 26, and then Zechariah chapter 8. Romans 11 and Zechariah 8. All right, trust you have your spots in Zechariah. Okay, Romans eleven twenty six. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come. That tells me there is a second coming. There shall come. This is where national Israel will be saved. 
That means all of the remaining Israelites that are alive on the earth during that time, they will all look and live. And nationally, they will be, they will be saved. There shall come out of Sion, that's Jerusalem, so when Christ comes back and all Israel shall be saved, is it happening from heaven? Is He doing it from heaven? No. Is He doing it right now through His church when He's talking about that nation, all Israel being saved? No. There's a deliverer and it's, and it's going to happen out of what? There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. That's Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where it's going to happen. Now look at Zechariah 8 and we'll get our Old Testament cross-reference. All Israel will be saved. This is national salvation. Zechariah 8. I know Romans 11 is heavy stuff. But I want you to get this. I want you to get this doctrinal. Doctrinally. Zechariah 8. Look at verse 6. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of, where? Jerusalem. That's where this is happening. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth, and in righteousness. And he is going to turn them, all of them, from ungodliness. It is not going to happen during this church age right now. It doesn't matter to me what happens over in Israel or doesn't happen over in Israel. It doesn't matter to me or it shouldn't matter to you if somebody's for Israel or against Israel because it isn't going to stop God's plan for them. You think God cares if you're for or against His nation? He's for it. <laughs> He's for it. And everybody says, oh, God's done with Israel. They're just wrong. It don't affect God. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. You look over there right now. He says, I'm going to turn ungodliness from Jacob in Romans 11. When you look over at that nation, do you see ungodliness? That's eventually going to be turned. And God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Are you saved this morning? Amen. Okay. Now follow me on this thought. If you're saved, do you need a deliverer? You don't. You've already been delivered. I have been delivered from the power of darkness and I have been translated in the kingdom of His dear Son. If you're not saved, do you need to be delivered? Yes. If you get saved this morning, you'll be delivered from darkness and you'll be translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. At that point, do you need a deliverer? No. <laughs> You've already been delivered. The church is in Israel. <laughs> Israel has a deliverer that's going to come and it's going to happen out of Zion. We, as the New Testament church, we've already been delivered. Amen. We have a Savior. 
He's mentioned 24 times in the New Testament. We have a Redeemer. We've been redeemed and we've been washed in the blood. But that nation hasn't been completed according to God's plan. And they still need a deliverer. And He's coming. Romans 11.27, the last verse. We'll get to Romans 11.27 and Daniel 9. And then we will be done. Romans 11 and Daniel 9. Romans 11, verse 27. I shall turn away on Galileus of Jacob. Romans eleven twenty-seven. For this is my covenant unto them. God's covenant unto the nation. When I shall take away their sins. Does that have you in mind? Because your sins have already been taken care of where? At the cross. But there's a nation whose sins have to be dealt with. Look at Romans 9, or Daniel 9. And we'll get this doctrinal truth in Romans 9, uh, Daniel 9, 24. Daniel 9, 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. That's Daniel's people, the Jewish people. And upon thy holy city. It's not the United States. It's Zion, Jerusalem. To finish the transgression. Jesus said it is finished. He did everything on the cross for us as New Testament Christians. The church is not in view in Daniel 9, 24. And to make an end of sins. My sins have been paid for. This isn't for me. Daniel 9, 24 is for the nation of Israel. And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. I have everlasting life. Have you trusted Christ? You have everlasting life. But guess who hasn't gotten it yet? Individually the nation. He is going to deliver that nation. Has any of this happened yet? And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Seventy weeks. That's Daniel's 70th week. All of that is going to happen. It's going to become a time when that happens, once the church is called out. And then God's going to deal with Israel regarding all of these things. And He says in, in, in Romans 11, we read it, For this is My covenant unto them, and I shall take away their sins. My sins have already been taken care of. Yours have as well. So in Daniel 9.24, when it says, To make an end of sins... That's your cross-reference. Daniel 9.24 with Romans 11.27. He's going to take away Israel's sins at that point. But nothing happening now is the fulfillment of that. Do you believe in eternal security? I do. Are you going to mess up today, tomorrow, next week, next month? I am. But I know I'm safe and secure. I'm in the hand of Christ. I am in Christ. I'm in His hand. Amen. How much more? God said, I have a nation. They have left after other gods. They have done all that they've done. But you know what? My covenant says, not their covenant. My covenant says, I will restore them. 